Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Blackhawks Live. Here's the break and in front of the pass. He scores! That's hockey, baby! From the downtown studios of WGN Radio, it's time for Blackhawks Live. Let's pull back the curtain. Go behind the scenes of your favorite hockey team. That's what we're here for, guys, to win. Blackhawks Live. Now, here's Joe Brand with Chris Bowden. Okay, guys, show us what you got. Another week of Blackhawks hockey saw three games out on the road, two victories in Winnipeg. One game the Hawks would like to forget in St. Louis, but they did finish it out 2-1. The Blackhawks now get set for a very long homestand. How's it going, everyone? I'm Joe Brand. He's Chris Bowden of WGN-TV. This is Blackhawks Live. We've got plenty to get to tonight. Uh, The trade deadline somewhat looming. The GM search still ongoing. Again, the Blackhawks are coming home for quite a a long stretch of time. And Jason Ross Jr., who was the 23-year-old play-by-play guy, has gotten to call the last three games on TV for the Hawks. We'll talk with him after the 7.30 news as well. And uh, hi, Chris. Nice suit. (laughs) I I did dress down after the video, after the... uh, the promo that we are entitled to do for this show, so I well, I hope uh, is uh, I hope that's uh, well. No, you had a game last night, so you you couldn't even spend. Uh, I hope it was a Valentine's lunch with with uh, your lovely wife, Allison. You know what? We we really haven't had any opportunity with a, a later game last night. Here we are tonight. Uh, she works during the day. <laughs> Um, but uh, you know, got got to celebrate a little Valentine's Day with everybody on the social media. Well, as long as you weren't uh, drinking that whole bottle of wine you were pouring there, it was tough. The- it was tough. You know, opening a bottle of wine at eleven o'clock in the morning <laughs> and taking a sip out of it for work, mind you, it was for work. Yeah, all in the name of uh, professionalism. <laughs> <laughs> I can uh, I can see why people might want to do that every once in a while. But uh, yeah, no, I actually that's that's even funny too. She uh, she did see the video and she goes, you know, I was looking forward to that wine tonight Oops. and i go don't worry i got good use out of the funnel right. you think i'm gonna okay. go ahead and waste a bunch of wine like that because that was not one take <laughs> anywho uh the trade deadline looming on march 21st but the blackhawks still don't have their general manager i i'd assume chris that that would uh possibly complicate things in terms of what moves might be made. We've been told that Kyle Davidson has full autonomy, but uh, there are reports out there that Brandon Hagel has been somewhat chopped and even as high as a first-round pick, a prospect, and more in return. Um, And now we're getting word today from the Vegas Golden Knights general manager that he is uh, quickly putting aside the idea that they would get Marc-Andre Fleury They got no money. That's true. That too. <laughs> the, the Golden Knights have. Well, no there, money. there's a reason why he was a Blackhawk in the first place this right, year. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, the Blackhawks haven't tweeted out any updates. They've been really good about letting us know who they have been interviewing, and there's been five or six that they uh, they have revealed so far. And uh, but but nothing here over the course of the last few days. I would have to imagine there's there's going to be more coming down the pipeline. But yeah, some real interesting stuff and uh, with with. Uh, some of the uh, the price tags and and this gets into you know uh, you mentioned the Brandon Hagel rumor out there and we all love the guy mm-hmm. we'd like him to be a long term piece but uh, it, it just gets into how 
deep down you want to dig if you're going to rebuild this thing. And with the Blackhawks currently without a, a first-round draft pick this year after the Seth Jones trade uh, uh, this past offseason, um, yeah, how how deep down they want to dig in, in terms of uh, rebuild, tearing this down if they want to, building it back up, and uh, there's going to be some hard decisions that are going to have to be made. And if, you know, if that is indeed a price tag for Brandon Hagel when you come to think about it, Originally a sixth round draft pick for, from the Buffalo Sabres, and uh, definitely earning his way uh, up up the ladder and up the the pecking order here with the Blackhawks. Uh, a guy you'd uh, love to have around long term, but you know uh, it all gets into asking prices here. And we're what, what about uh, five weeks away from the trade deadline, and uh, there's going to have to be some interesting decisions made. No matter who has that responsibility, it's very intriguing. And I know as of right now, it's it's just a report. Uh, Frank Saravelli of his podcast um, bringing it to light that the Blackhawks have been offered a first round pick for Brandon Hagel, even if it's just that. It's something to think about, but when it comes down to it, okay, you are you would be trading away a 23-year-old, very solid forward that can play pretty much anywhere, who is signed for the next three years, a team-friendly deal. I mean, there's a lot of positives in Brandon Hagel right now, and I think his age is the biggest selling point in terms of where the Hawks are right now. So mm-hmm. if you go ahead and make that move, the return has to be someone at least at the level of Brandon Hagel or higher. So are you getting that with a first-round pick? You'd like to think so. But the Blackhawks don't know who their general manager is right. going to be. Uh, I would I would believe that's going to play into effect of you know who's going to actually be drafting uh, that first-round pick if all these things were to align. But uh, it's it, it really makes your head scratch because, man, everyone is a big fan of Brandon Hagel these days, myself included. Um, but when you're in the position the Hawks are right now, thinking about a rebuild or at least thinking about a, a different direction that this organization is going to point to, those types of things are enticing. Yeah, and uh, whoever takes this thing over, uh, we, we've mentioned this before on the show, Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves have one more year remaining right. on their contracts, what they want to do with them. If um, you know you want to do away completely with the past and all the accomplishments in, in order to try and dig down deep and, and build this thing all over again. And there's any a number of other other guys whose whose names are out there. Dylan Strom's been playing well. He's obviously, you know, uh, raised his value a little bit with his recent play. But do you want to keep him around? Dominic Kubalik as well. Uh, after two really good years, uh, his production has slipped this year. And then uh, any number of other guys. So uh, Marc-Andre Fleury <laughs> among them too. And uh, that's kind of a, a sticky situation where you – if he's willing to be moved where he wants to be moved, obviously he'd want to go to a contender if he if he wants to uh, make that kind of decision. He's not just you know uh, going to go someplace um, where you know he, uh, he's not looking at a Stanley Cup this year. And I know family considerations are really important to him. So as we uh, knock on the door here five weeks from now, uh, a lot of interesting decisions that need to be made. The Mark Andre Fleury thing is pretty layered too. I definitely want to get into that next. But we are giving away a Boyke's Prize Pack three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred. Why don't you call in and tell us who is Patrick Kane one assist shy of from tying? For second most assist all time in Blackhawks history. Who is Patrick Kane one assist shy of tying for second all time 
assists in Blackhawks history. We've got more to get to. We're going to have Jason Ross Jr. on the other end of our news break. But for right now, we got to get to a break. Again, 312-981-7200 to win that Boykey's prize pack. You're listening to Blackhawks Live here on 720 WGN. Blackhawks Live on 720 WGN. We've got Jason Ross Jr., who's called play-by-play for the Hawks on TV the past couple of nights after the news. Uh, right now, we're giving away a Boykey's prize pack to the person that can call in and tell us who is Patrick Kane one assist shy of from tying for second all-time for assists in a Blackhawks uniform. Donna from Elgin thinks that they have the right answer. Donna, who do you think it is? Dennis Savard. Correct, Donna from Elgin. Yay! Congratulations. You just won a Boykey's prize pack. Our friends over at Boykey's can be found at B-O-I-K-E-Y-S dot com. It's Biltong. It's not beef jerky. It's better than beef jerky and healthier for you, too. Donna, are you a beef jerky fan? I am. And a Hawks fan. And a Dennis Savard fan, too. Who isn't a Dennis Savard fan? Exactly. <laughs> Well, That's awesome. Thank you. Well, thank you for listening. We appreciate you calling in, and uh, enjoy that Boykey's Bill Talk. Thank you so much. One of these days we're going to get Savvy on. We've been bugging him. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. He yeah. actually owes us. Yes, yes. But you know what? He's, uh, he spends a lot of his uh, winter time down in Florida. Good for him. Exactly. And uh, out on the links, busting it. So, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, we'll get we'll get Savvy on here before the end even, of the season. Even more the reason to get him on, to ask right. how his golf game's going. Exactly. And, and tell us all and how it feels like. like being passed up by De- Patrick Kane. That's he loves, true. He loves 88, though. He's a good guy. His first, uh, first head coach in the NHL, too. Yep. So uh, we got a what a six game homestand here. Yep. Eight out of nine, and uh, uh, it it's uh, a huge mountain to climb here. Uh, I didn't do nearly as much homework as I should have earlier in the day, but I'm sitting sitting here looking at twelve points behind Anaheim for the second wild card. And if there is any hope at all for making some kind of miraculous run, now is the time. Here you got what Columbus on Thursday. The Adam Boquist tribute video will be out, I'm sure, <laughs> the uh, first intermission. And then Dallas on Friday. These are a bunch of makeup games from what we lost earlier when uh, everyone was coming down at COVID over the holidays. So, a, yeah, a six-game homestand. You have a matinee on Sunday against the Florida Panthers, one of the top teams in the league as well. So six in a row at home, eight out of the next nine. And uh, you got to go on a burner here if you have any hope of uh, trying to uh, think of the playoffs. But I think, you know, uh, as we were just discussing in our last segment, I think um, – not so much playoffs now. It's it's looking towards the future, and um, you know there's not going to be anything where the Blackhawks are pushing all their chips in here at the trade deadline, going for this. Uh, it's just the reality of the situation, and what was really disappointing in this trip: uh, impressive wins at Edmonton and at Winnipeg, and and grand the Oilers. They got themselves a whole bunch of issues right now and, <laughs> and ended up firing Dave Tippett after that loss to the Blackhawks. But what was really disappointing was was the kind of start that they had the other night in St. Louis against a division rival, one of those teams you want to try to uh, catch up with in the standings. And uh, just that first period uh, didn't end up costing them from a score standpoint, but at least set a tone. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think with a little bit uh, better effort in that game against St. Louis, you might be looking at five out of a possible six points at the very least out of this three-game road trip. Well, not only that, they've played St. Louis well this year. You know, right. the last time they were down there, uh, it was a one nothing loss, but they didn't give up the only goal until, I think, halfway through the third period. They beat St. Louis at home, and yeah, just a, a real lackluster effort. Now, 
once again, we see this team bounce back from that rough outing. So I, I was talking about it the other day, Derek King holding this team accountable, making sure that they understand what they did wrong the night before. But unfortunately, that's just kind of become the narrative time in and time out. You talk about the schedule favoring the Blackhawks coming up. That's true for a couple of reasons. Obviously, a lot of home games is a perfect opportunity for you to get on a nice little stretch. But uh, this month of February continues where you play a game, you're off a few days, play a game off a few days, except for this upcoming week, Thursday, Friday, back-to-back home games, which is uh, pretty rare for the Blackhawks in a, I mean, we are still in a COVID world, but a little less COVID world nowadays. Uh, Roster move that was made today, Cal Morris getting recalled from Rockford, so Arvid Soderblom goes back down to Rockford. I mean, unless Kevin Lankinen is cleared and returns to the Blackhawks roster, I mean, that's that's who we would see yep. with one of those games because Marc-Andre Fleury has been playing, I believe, six straight games, 16 to the last 17. He's going to need a breather on one of those back-to-backs. And not only that, Chris, but they play three games in less than 96 hours because it's Thursday mm-hmm. night, Friday night, Saturday no game, Sunday at 2 o'clock puck drop. Uh, there's another 2 o'clock puck drop the following week. But that's a jam-packed schedule. And then once you turn the calendar into the month of March... It's nonstop. I mean, there's there's hardly two days off to clear out the rest of the schedule. That's just how it was kind of set up with uh, having those three weeks off for the Olympic break. So it does benefit the Hawks in those ways. I do want to talk about Mark andre Fleury a little bit more because, you know, you were talking about all the selling points of him. He probably is the guy that would make the most sense for the Blackhawks to move. But who knows if it'll happen? I mean, who knows if... If the Blackhawks even want to do that, if that's not what Marc-Andre Fleury wants to do. he's It took him some convincing to come here to Chicago. Um, he seems to be very happy where he's at. However, I think you could put Marc-Andre Fleury in a kennel and he would still find the positives to pull from it because that dude is just oozing positivity all the yeah. time. Yeah. Um, but he's got the no-trade clause, 10 teams he won't go to. But you know they were talking about this on uh, the national program earlier today. He's got three Stanley Cups. He's got 500 wins. He's going to the Hall of Fame. Does he want to get moved again if he's that comfortable here in Chicago right now? I mean, is another Stanley Cup that much worth it? I would think it is, based on his competitive spirit. But it's it's something to maybe ponder. It's uh, all I think uh, family considerations are, are, are big for him. We've heard the Washington rumor for a couple of weeks mm-hmm. now. Um, I'm not sure if that's died down at all. But uh, actually, I have eight straight and 17 in the last 18 now for Flurry being the starter in the net. So um, you know whether they decide you know, you know whether Derek decides Thursday against Columbus, Friday versus Dallas, one of those two uh, in, in which he gets a breather. But uh, you can also make an argument about some of the other teams in the Central Division. Uh, if if he wants to keep his family based here in Chicago, That's a good point. You could you know Minnesota has a couple of young, talented goal. Well, Cam Talbot's not a young guy. But uh, you know their their future is is uh, with with the guy who's the backup there. But you know Minnesota is a very talented team. St. Louis has themselves a little bit of situation now with Philly Huso the, uh, as well as he's playing now. But Jordan Biddington is has the long term contract that they signed him to after the Stanley Cup. So there are some other teams here within the Central Division. If 
you know, uh, Mark Andre doesn't want to stray too far from his family or keep them close. Uh, you know, there are a couple scenarios that, that could play out here, but obviously the big question for whoever is the general manager about what the return is going to be for right. the Blackhawks and whether, you know, uh, another divisional foe will want to, uh, pay that heavy a price for, a, you know, just a, uh, whatever it is, a couple month run here with a, a three time Stanley Cup winning goalie. One place we know he won't be going is back to Vegas. Golden Knights general manager Kelly McCrimmon saying today, uh, shutting down all the rumors of Marc-Andre Fleury returning, quote, there is absolutely no credence to that rumor at all. I wouldn't normally speak on such things, but there will be so much racket about this. I mean, right? <laughs> this, this, I love this quote. It's important to let people know that that's not going to happen. How many times do you ask that's a GM? That's putting the plug in the jug right there. For <laughs> how, how many times do you ask a GM, like, listen, I'm not going to talk about a player that's not on our team right now. Of course, everything's on the table, blah, blah, blah. But he's like, no, no, this is not right. happening. But I also think this is relevant because we we just talked to Dan Duva last week, and he used the term Vegas fans are PO'd about Marc Andre Fleury not being on this right. team anymore. I'm still new to the whole radio thing. I'm too afraid to say it. I, <laughs> I, 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 I don't have enough. You know, and yet. here's the other consideration, too. You know, uh, he has history in Pittsburgh, and there are some people there with the Penguins who aren't necessarily sold when it comes playoff time about their two goaltenders right there, whether, you know, they can uh, they can be a backbone for a long playoff run. So that's uh, also something to consider, whether he would be open to something like well, that. Well, I think for that reason, I also think they are worried that, uh, Washington thing would happen, right, right. And, and man, could you imagine seeing Mark Andre Fleury in a, a Capitals jersey? I can't. Uh, Jason Ross Jr. is the first black play-by-play announcer to call a Blackhawks game. He did the last three on the road trip, four total this year. We're going to talk to him after the news. He's 23 years old, doing a stand-up job, so we're going to hear a lot from him when we come back. David Jennings is in the news, and you're listening to Blackhawks Live on 720 WGN. Back comes their top line once again. Marcia a follow-up shot by White Cloud. Flurry with a beautiful pad save. Another save made by Flurry. Hawks come away unscathed. Jujar Kara with Jake McCabe. Kara scores! Now, if you were to close your eyes, well, maybe you don't need to close your eyes. It is radio. But if you were to just hear that clip and guess the age of that person... I bet you would not think the early 20s. That is Jason Ross Jr. He's been... I feel old. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, He's been one of the very talented people filling in for Pat Foley. You've probably uh, been able to catch him on the last three games. He got to do the entire road trip and did a fantastic job. He now joins us on Blackhawks Live. Jason Ross Jr., how the heck are you, pal? Hey, Joe. Hey, Chris. I'm doing well today, and appreciate the kind words. Appreciate the kind words. Love listening to you guys. So it's a pleasure to be on tonight. Thank you for having me on. Well, we appreciate the kind words as well. And this uh, wasn't your first go-around with the Blackhawks, even, but I, I did want to ask you because, you know, you made your TV debut a month ago or so in Vegas. What a game, too. That was a phenomenal mm-hmm. one. Uh, but then you get an entire road trip. You get three straight games. You kind of get to live that life. What was the difference of getting three consecutive games as opposed to one just kind of sprinkled in there last month? Yeah, I, it was really awesome. Unforgettable week. I, I'd i say it's probably the most unforgettable week of my life being on the road with the team. And I think the difference there is being immersed in the day-to-day I guess you could almost call it being, I guess, uh, immersed in the prep on a day-to-day basis and almost being forced to be immersed in your prep because you're there Hmm. with the team and you're 
seeing that what's taking place behind the scenes, um, what's going on when guys are just eating or relaxing and who's talking to who, what's happening in practices. And I loved every element of that. It was really cool. I always dreamed of going on a, a road trip with the team. And uh, this was one of the more lengthy road trips from a mile standpoint um, of our season so far. And I think of the entire season going to Edmonton, then St. Louis, then back up to Winnipeg, and then back to Chicago. So um, it was really fun. Uh, everyone was so welcoming and kind. Uh, everyone with the team on the staff and the players and the coaches getting to meet people behind the scenes. So it was it was really neat, a really cool experience. And I enjoyed every minute of it. The preparation was a lot of fun being on the road and seeing the different arenas. Um, we got to spend a day in St. Louis, which was really neat. And just no, it's, no, up. a day in St. Louis <laughs> is not neat. No. Don't tell Chris Bryant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right about that. You're right about that. I, I shouldn't say that. But we, yeah, yeah. Not the, yeah. <laughs> this, this late in the night, too, they can hear us down there. Right. So hopefully yeah. someone's not just flipping uh, through and heard oh, that. Don't be wearing jorts. Hey, but, hey, I, I will say this. Your win percentage, if, if we're going to factor in win That's percentage true. in this, uh, you're you're in a pretty good clip. Uh, I, I joke about that, but, but tell me a little bit more. Since you're, you know, I'm, let's see, twice twice your age plus almost 13 now. Um, uh, tell me what uh, your favorite sport is to call and when you decided this is what you want to do. At, at what age did you uh, determine that this is what you wanted to do? Um, I would say when I determined that I wanted to do this, I was probably around the middle school age, so 12, 13, 14 and I mean, you're 10 years life, ago. I, yeah. <laughs> but I, I think I, I kind of always throughout my life, I loved listening to games on the radio, loved watching on TV, loved just consuming announcers. And I think around that middle school age, I started to just, I would watch highlights of games all the time and started to realize that there was an announcer behind that game, either on TV or on the radio, narrating the story. And um, I think realizing that was a job that I could do. And so from that point on, I just, whatever book I could find on broadcasting, whatever podcast I could listen to, whatever game I could watch, I was just listening from the perspective of wanting to learn from the play-by-play announcer. And I would just fill up notebooks with uh, little notes I was taking, little nuances I'd pick up on games. And when it comes to a particular sport, I would have to say hockey is my favorite, just the adrenaline of it, the speed, the physicality, kind of the organized chaos that is hockey is, it's so fun to watch and just the skill and the talent that's on the ice. I mean, you watch a game that feels like it's moving 100 miles per hour, but then the mind of Patrick Kane to be able to slow it down and just the creativity that he possesses in his game and um, just little things like that I think is, is really incredible for me about the game of hockey and calling it. It's, uh, it's a mental challenge because it does move so fast, but then as a listener, I think maybe especially on radio, you can't talk too fast because then people can't digest the game so trying to find that balance of delivering a digestible call for the audience and also still describing and bringing the action and bringing the energy is is really fun for me so that's what i love about hockey and i think that's probably why it's my my favorite sport to call we're talking to Jason Ross Jr., one of the play-by-play guys that has filled in for Pat Foley on NBC Sports Chicago. You've also heard him here on WGN Radio. He did a game against the Avalanche not too long ago. He's scheduled to fill in for John Wideman as well. And speaking of John Wideman, Jason, you uh, constantly 
call to his praises. I feel like you've uh, followed along with John's career for quite some time. Along with John, who are some of the other guys that have helped you along throughout your career, or who have you idolized throughout your career? Mm, there are so many to think of. I, again, I just I love turning on games and learning from broadcasters. That so many. I'm from Michigan originally, so several broadcasters in that area have helped me out um, to kind of maybe think of other play-by-play announcers in particular. I really have always loved watching Mike Tirico on different sports on TV. I think just kind of he really embodies excellent TV broadcasting. Al Michaels, who just called the Super Bowl. Uh, by the way, I got to watch the Super Bowl with the team in Winnipeg, and uh, that was a fun experience, too, um, just seeing the guys' reactions to the game. You don't have to sugarcoat it, though, Jason, because yeah, we know you're uh, a Bengals fan. Yeah, I know. I know you're going to bring it up eventually, <laughs> so I figured I'd, just, I'd put it out there, and we, we could dive into that, too. But, um, yeah, it was, it was rough, but being able to watch the team with the game kind of soften the blow a bit there, Joe. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, yeah, a lot of different hockey broadcasters Around the game, Chris Cuthbert is one I really like to study. Doc Emmerich lives in Michigan. I've had the pleasure of meeting him. Obviously, he's just of le- legendary status in the game of hockey, and uh, listening to him for so many years was uh, just, a, just a blast, and getting to meet him on a few different occasions. He's such a role model for how I think off the air you should – I mean, off the air and on the air, he just conveys kindness, and he's, he's such a genuine individual. And I think guys like him and John Weideman and – and Pat Foley and other broadcasters around the NHL, Chris Cuthbert, who I mentioned. Um, the, I, something I tried to always analyze, not only how broadcasters conduct themselves on the air, but off the air. You see broadcasters who are, who are kind to everyone in the building, someone who's working in the elevator, someone who is helping out with the meals, someone who is maybe not working on your broadcast, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't treat them mm-hmm. with just the utmost amount of kindness. And I think you watch people who carry themselves like that around the arena, and it truly is a model for how I think we should all conduct ourselves when it comes to uh, being in that space. And it's just something I really admire. And then obviously on the air, just so incredibly talented. When you mention uh, Doc Emmerich or uh, Mike Tirico, um, John Forslund is another one who I love to study. He's doing Seattle now. Um, so many different broadcasters. Uh, Trevor Thompson is a reporter in Detroit mm-hmm. who actually did play-by-play of the Wings the other night when they played Minnesota. And he really was a good mentor for me and still is a wonderful mentor in my life in broadcasting. Um, a lot of different broadcasters around the NHL have had the pleasure of meeting, have been so kind and willing to help me out and learn. And uh, so that's been a, a really cool experience throughout my broadcasting career. So, gosh, I, I could just go on and on for days about the different broadcasters around hockey and the broadcasting world in general that have just been super kind and a, a role model for how I'd like to help others one day. Well, that's a spot-on approach to, to take it, yeah, and uh, it, it'll do you a world of good uh, here moving forward. Um, so, let's see, you're a Detroit native, but you're a Bengals fan. Um, just the Lions aren't, Lions aren't good enough for you, Jason? Or, or That's a question what? or a statement? <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I made this, you have to admit, I made a smart move pretty early on. That's true, that's true. <laughs> And I just happened to stumble upon the Bengals mm. who, you know, throughout my entire life have disappointed me each and every year, either in the playoffs or not making the playoffs up until this season, this magical run. And yeah, to kind of provide some uh, backstory to that, I think I just fell in love with back in the day, Chad Johnson, Carson Palmer, uh, made a really nice offense yeah. around the 2004, 2005 season. 
So that became my team and just kind of never looked back. I don't know why I stuck with them, but I did <laughs> up until, you know, all the way this, to this season. And, uh, paid off. Had, paid off for you. I just, yeah, it paid off. And now it really kind of does feel like a different franchise with Joey Burrow and, uh, you know, Jamar Chase and Higgins, all these good offensive players and the defense has improved. So really does feel like they have a bright future ahead. But um, I will say getting to watch the game, with the team definitely softened the blow because uh, just I had smiles the entire road trip last week. And uh, it was disappointing to see the Bengals go down. But uh, luckily the day after that, we capped it off with a win in Winnipeg. So that made it a lot uh, more of a fun experience after the Bengals lost there. I guess that's a perfect perspective to have. If your team is going to lose in the Super Bowl, at least let me watch it with the Chicago Blackhawks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, Jason... Well, yeah, unforgettable. Well, Jason, we really appreciate you taking the time for us. Uh, fantastic job, but I know you're slated to do a few more. Uh, I know we're, well, at least that's uh, what we could possibly expect. I do know that we'll be working with you down the road on WGN Radio again, too. Uh, do you happen to know what game that is? Yep, so we'll be working together next Friday, New Jersey. Okay. Is in town. So, yep. so mm-hmm. com- coming right up. Well, no, it's Jason, it's really cool to see what you're doing and how you're doing it at this young age, but you just ooze professionalism. Uh, clearly, there's a reason you're in the position that you are right now. So just congratulations on getting this far this quickly. Keep up the great work. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you later on next week, too. Awesome. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate you having me on. And I'd uh, really enjoy listening to you guys. Thank you, Joe and Chris, just so much for having me on. I really appreciate it and looking forward to working together down the road. Our pleasure, Jason. All right, that's Jason Ross Jr. He's been uh, one of the fill-in play-by-play guys for Pat Foley and for John Weideman, and uh, he's expected to uh, fill in on the radio next week against the New Jersey Devils. We've still got more to get to. We're going to wrap up Blackhawks Live. Uh, still want to talk a little bit about the trade deadline that is looming and a few things about Patrick Kane and Dylan Strom as we'll uh, quickly wrap up Blackhawks Live next. You're listening to Blackhawks Live on 720 WGN. After a 2-1 and road trip, the Blackhawks return home for a long slate of games at the United Center. Blackhawks.com slash tickets to see when you can come on down to the west side of the Windy City and catch some games. There's plenty of opportunities. He's Chris Bowden. I'm Joe Brand. Big thanks to Jason Ross Jr. for taking time out of his Tuesday night and one of his first nights off after the long road trip hmm. to join us here on the show. Does a great job on both TV and radio. Again, we'll be hearing him later on next week. Uh, we've been talking about the trade deadline looming and some of the pieces that the Blackhawks have. Uh, Dylan Strome clearly is on the up over the past month or so. He's he's had an up-and-down year, but man, is he starting to shine right now. And you definitely have to credit Derek King finally putting him in this position to you know have some more opportunities to be a little bit more of a significant player. Patrick Kane got pretty vocal about it and said that I think Derek, or rather Dylan Strom, is now proving that he's a guy that deserves to play in a significant role and even went far enough to say basically, I mean I'm paraphrasing, but the Blackhawks are better off with Dylan Strom than trying to move him for a trade right now. That's Patrick Kane's opinion. Yeah, well, Patrick obviously likes to be put in the best position possible for him to be that's true <laughs> to be that's productive true. as well it's a fair point and you know when when they have uh when they have worked together it's all about putting dylan strome in those positive positions he's not a fourth line guy he's not no. a third line guy and you know you try to 
try to fit that square peg into a round hole, uh, that's not who he is. So in order to get the most out of Dylan Strom, he's going to have to be up there in the top six. And uh, if given the opportunity, he's he's shown what he can do so far. Now the question becomes whether you use that as a chip for the future or you consider him a part of your future here moving forward because what is Dylan now? Probably about 25, 26 years old or so. So, you know, that's something you have to consider moving forward here. But, yeah, uh, first and foremost, I know going into last night what he had, uh, 11 points in his last nine games heading into last night's contest. So, uh, yeah, if if you're going to put Dylan Strom in the best position possible, whether it's for your team or if you're going to use him as a chip moving forward in order to make him more attractive come March 21st, uh, you have to put them in those uh, in those positions. And I think Derek was kind of, I won't call it making the mistake, but, you know, when he first took over, trying to get, get him into the lineup somehow, some way. But third and fourth line isn't going to work for Dylan Strom. You have to have him up there with other productive players, offensive-minded players, and that's how you're going to get the most out of uh, number 17. He's, he's really done a very nice job improving his face-offs, yeah. Um, that 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 actually was one of the things that didn't happen in the Winnipeg game last night. But still, for the most part, Dylan Strom has put a lot of effort and put a lot of hard work into that, and a uh, big reason why he's succeeded. And, and it's been more prevalent too. Juggling, is, right? Is that what yeah, you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, that's true. That's true. That helped him a little bit. Um, but you know, with Jonathan Taves down, there's been a lot more emphasis on Dylan Strom picking up some of that heavy load. Uh, but I, I just still think there's something to be said about his mental take on this going through being a healthy scratch, going through being on the fourth line. And whether or not he's walking into the locker room with a big smile on his face and nothing's wrong, anything that either the coaches or the players have said was that he has approached this whole situation the correct way. And it's good to see that getting paid off for now. But the thing about Dylan Strom, since he's come here to Chicago, it's been up and down. It was really good when he first came in. Once he hit his lull, it was tough to see him come out of it. And now that's the question. It's almost like you know what you have from Dylan Strome because you don't know what you have from Dylan Strome. He's he's a streaky player. He can be up and down. When he's on, he's on. And he's one of the most valuable guys on the team. But if it's not consistent, that's where things just get a little bit more confusing. Uh Somebody else that is facing a lot of adversity right now, a lot of criticism, so much that it's even caused him to delete Instagram and Twitter is Kirby Doc. He's looked pretty strong out of the All-Star break. Who knows? Maybe this is a great little reset for Kirby Doc. But uh, some of the things we saw from him yesterday, yes, two assists. It's great to see two points on the board. But the fact of what he did, you know, moving towards the net, kind of creating a screen, mm-hmm. he's still in that pass-first mode, but if it comes with a goal, okay, so be it. Um, but I, I think if he starts to utilize his size, utilize his uh, skill set in terms of skating and his positioning, that's what you want to see more of out of Kirby Doc. And if he does more of that, there's going to be a lot less criticism about him. Well, uh, when we talked to Nikki a couple weeks ago, I asked him about Kirby Doc. I heard Eddie say the same thing uh, last night with Jason uh, before the broadcast. I don't know if it was uh, in the pregame or during the course of the game. North, South, Kirby Doc. That's mm-hmm. that's what you're going to need from him. And he's only 21 years old. And yeah, we all get greedy seeing what some of the other players in this league are doing at 18 and 19 and 20, putting up numbers that Kirby still hasn't you know scratched the surface on. So uh, in looking forward here, um, he he's going to have to realize you know he he's not 
the Patrick Kane type where he's moving side to side. He's just going to have to go north, south, and and figure out that that's his game. And once he glues himself to that particular mindset, uh, he, he's going to be a better player for it. Now, you know what his ceiling is, I don't know. I, I still think it's pretty high, but um, you know, still at just 21 years of age and. You know, he, he was thrown in the fire pretty quickly here as a teenager and getting a taste of it. And we also saw what, you know, his potential was just in his second year before suffering that wrist injury. I think that's had a profound effect on him in trying to recover and trying to, you know, get back to the pace and the, and the level of play that he was before that wrist injury at World Juniors a little bit more than a year ago. Uh, that's been a, a crucial setback for Kirby. So hopefully he can get back to his game and, and start, you know, uh, learning what his potential is and, and start to achieve that too. There was some talk about him possibly going on the wing. Derek King just said, well, the Blackhawks have thought about it and uh, maybe we'll see it, maybe we won't. That would be interesting as well. That's going to do it for Blackhawks Live. We will talk to you next week on Monday night, the 21st, at 7 o'clock after the Florida game. Our next broadcast, though, Hawks broadcast, will be Thursday night as the Hawks host the Columbus Blue Jackets. He's Chris Bowden. I'm Joe Brand. Thanks for listening. 720 WGN.